Good morning. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. And uh, this is where we want to begin uh, on this uh, covenant of healing. And uh, we consistently go over these things, but uh, there's things that um, I have to remember. And the first one is I have a covenant. I have a covenant. When uh, the Lord began to reveal to me this covenant uh, many years ago, oh my, close to 30 now, and um, I was raised in church. I was raised Pentecostal. I wasn't just raised Pentecostal. I was raised oneness, holiness Pentecostal. And I mean... We weren't, we weren't like those tame Pentecostals down the street. We were holiness Pentecostals. I mean, hallelujah. Now, don't let the oneness thing throw you. Uh, we, we see that some of that theology is incorrect. Uh, but that's how I was raised. And, uh, but we were still raised with this idea that God can, but he might not. Uh, it was kind of, we, we were heavy on the sovereignty of God and uh, heavy on the legalistic element of, uh, of salvation, meaning that uh, it, everything was predicated on what you did and how you looked. And, and there's, listen, there's a life to live. We got to live holy lives. We got to live clean lives. That's no doubt. Uh, I was listening to a song not too long ago by Bishop G. Patterson. He was talking about the, the word of God is true. And he said, uh, uh, I told you once, I'm going to tell you it again. You ain't going to get to heaven sipping no gin. And so that's, that's the truth. Amen. I told you once, I told you twice, you can't go to heaven with a girlfriend and a wife. And so, yeah, <laughs> <Now> that's, <laughs> that's true. It, yeah, now it's true. But, but my point that I'm making is that, uh, you know, I thank God for that. I, I, I got a really good theological uh, doctrinal foundation in those days. We, uh, we, we believed a lot in doctrine. Now, not necessarily, uh, as I've said, things concerning healing. But my point is when God began to show me that we have a covenant, that I have a covenant, it wasn't something that uh, I studied necessarily historically. I have, but I wanted to see the covenant that I had with God, that God made with me, all right? And when I come to understand that, we'll, we'll uh, talk about this in this, this third issue here, but that's when my mindset changed. And uh, so I have to believe and have to remember that I have a covenant Secondly, I have to remember that the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The blood of bulls and goats in the first part, the uh, blood of Christ, of course, in the second part that brought me into the first covenant. And uh, Sunday morning, we taught uh, as extensively as we could that it's the law that has been done away with, not the first covenant. And you'll hear ministers say, well, under the first covenant with its system of animal sacrifice, there was no animal sacrifice under the first covenant. That was under the law. 
the law has been done away with, not the covenant. Because the Bible said uh, uh, nine times in Genesis 17 that this is an everlasting covenant. And so, uh, but when Jesus shed his blood, he brought us into the second covenant. Well, you can call it the new covenant if you want. Uh, but he brought us into the second covenant and, and brought us into the first covenant. Everything that was ours in the first covenant or that was theirs in the first covenant became ours and then it was expanded upon. And so that's so important in, in the day and age that we live in. You could say we were grandfathered in to the first covenant. All right. Sometimes somebody will, will start a, a business They'll buy out a business, and they'll just grandfather in all of the employees that are there. Well, that means that all the benefits that we're going to give you, you get, and all the benefits that you've had in the past, you're going to retain those. And so uh, that's so important. And I've said this a lot, but you've got to remember that every person that was healed under the old covenant was healed on credit. Every person that Jesus healed was healed on credit because the price had not been paid yet. And they were healed based on what he was going to do. And that's why the Bible says in the book of Romans, when you study it, it says that uh, when the Gentiles, he said, how is it that the Gentiles that have no law obey the law? And he said, it's because the law is written on their heart. In other words, every person is born into the earth with a sense of right and wrong. Every person is born into the earth with a knowledge of right and wrong. You have to be taught to override that. You have to be taught to override your conscience. Amen. It, th th think about this. And, and I'm so grateful because uh, I was born again very early. And I'm so grateful for that because every time I committed a sin, I committed a sin knowing it was sin. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the luxury of, of not knowing. Right? I was born again very early. And, uh, but think about that. Ever what time you were born again? What if you'd have got born again at four? I mean, what, how, what would your life look like? How would it have been different moving forward, right? Now, my point in saying that is so, so everything that God said, it was on, so every person born into the earth is born with a sense of right and wrong on the inside of them by credit. God gives them the opportunity to recognize right and wrong and the opportunity to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit the first time they do something wrong. The first time. They can be convicted and saved. Oh, hallelujah. Right? And people will say, well, what if nobody shares the gospel with them? There are, there are hundreds of thousands of people that are saved every day just because they know they need to be. That's not the only way to get saved by somebody telling me i can just know i need to be saved and call out amen now you say what's that have to do with anything because we were brought into this second covenant by the blood of jesus that was the payment that was the the ratification that was the sealing of it all right and it not only sealed the covenant it sealed the issue that everybody now that believes on him can be brought into that thirdly a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. And so that's what changed. When a covenant mindset becomes your mindset, it becomes very real to you that God cannot lie. 
because of what he's done. He's bound himself to his word. So, if God said it, and, and think about that. Think about the frustration that religious people live with. They see something in the word, and they're never taught how to believe God for it. And they know it's there. What, what are they left to believe? That either God said it and didn't mean it, or God said it, and I'll never measure up to it so I can never have it. Right? Well, God said it and bound himself to it and said it and expects it to come to pass in our lives and gave us the ability to receive it. See, it would be a cruel joke on God's part to say, believe what I said and not give us the capacity to believe. Oh, hallelujah. Then I have to believe what God said, number one, about himself. I have to believe what he said about himself. We won't take the time to go over all of those, but uh, uh, the main ones he's been uh, having me focused on is Titus 1-2. Uh, where it says, God cannot lie. God who cannot lie. So God can't lie. Well, that seals the issue if God can't lie. Right? And so, so that's why the enemy wants to bring in this mindset and this idea that there are many ways to God and there's other ways to get to God. And Buddha's just your way to get to God, and this one's just your way to get to God, because it, it sets God up to be a liar. Well, God can't lie. And see, now that's the covenant mindset. God can't lie. Abraham believed God couldn't lie because he had watched God bind himself to his word. You and I have been brought into that same covenant where God bound himself to his word. He can't lie. I mean, you, you think about that. Anybody that honors their word. Now, I want to say this correctly because we're human beings. We can lie if we choose to. All right. But if your word means anything to you, truthfulness is the order of your life. And, and if you even misspeak, you didn't lie. If you just misspeak, you want to go correct it, right? Because, because your word's out there. What, what do we see today? We see people giving their word and then not doing it like it doesn't matter. That's what caused me to be so, and you'll say, I know you're thinking, well, we're here for healing school. Well, we are, and we're, we're, we're talking about it. That, that's one thing that so disillusioned me with sports. I, I was a sports fanatic, loved sports. But I started seeing something. A coach would sign a contract for five years. And after a year, if he had a good record, somebody, some other school would give him a higher contract, and he'd just leave. His word meant nothing to him. And they'd ask him about it. Well, I just had an opportunity to do better for my family. But you signed the contract. That Right? Well, you know, I bought out my contract, but you lied. Now, see, people don't think about it that way. 
well, if I get a better opportunity, people will come to church. You're my pastor. Yes, sir. You're my pastor. You're my pastor. God called me here. You're my pastor. I hear that. And then I don't see them. They come to church and never get involved. If I'm your pastor, this is your church. Do, do your words mean anything to you? See? And when people think that way, it's evidence that that can be evidence of what some of their problems are in receiving. Is they don't believe what they said. What they say don't matter to them. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? A covenant mindset. So you got to believe what God said about himself. You have to believe what he said about his word. He said in Isaiah 55, 11, his word would not return void. It would not return empty. It would not return without accomplishing the thing he sent it to do. And he said it would prosper therein. Right? So if the word has been spoken, it's accomplishing what it was sent to do. But what you hear very often with people is, well, you know, I did that and it didn't work. Well, at that moment, you stopped the miracle action. Words get it started and words stop it. He sent his word. How did he send his word? He spoke it. He sent his word and healed them. Well, everybody's not healed. Yeah, but, but the word has been spoken, so everybody has access to healing. I stop it. I stop the miracle action. That's why what, Brother Charles Capps, you say this, what you say, let it stay said. When you say it, let it stay there because it's operating. So he said that about his word. He said in John 17, 17, the word is truth. Well, it stands to reason if God can't lie, his word's truth. So the word is truth. And I always remind myself, and it's sealed by blood. God's word is truth, and it's sealed by blood. And then always believe what God said about what he would do. I believe that, that that first one and the third one are so important. Never allow anybody to tell you what God said about himself or what he will do. You, 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 you've got to dis, dis, discern from the word what he said and, and what he said he would do. I've had people look at me and say, well, my church don't believe that. Well, it's in the word. If, if it's in the word, what do y'all believe? I mean, you might as well get a menu from McDonald's and preach on that. If you're going to preach things that you don't believe. I mean, right? Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen would talk about how when he was a Baptist, they would, they would get over there and they, and, and they would preach on, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 10. And then, of course, you had to skip over 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, because it talks so much about the Holy Spirit. And then you'd get over there and talk in 1 Corinthians 13 about the love of God. And then you had to skip over 1 Corinthians 14 because it talked about all the gifts of the Spirit. Well, you see, he figured out, I can't keep teaching things I don't believe. So important. 
So Exodus 15, verse 20, 26, this is when the Lord was dealing with the people, and this has been our foundation. He said, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight and give ears to his commandments, keep all of his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases on you that I brought upon the Egyptians. And this is the emphasis, and this is the, uh, the structure here. He said, for I am the Lord that heals you. All right, all these things that have come on the Egyptians, on the world, all right, I'm the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord. I am, blank check, I am. Then he fills it in. I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I am the self-existent one, eternally self-existent, and I'm eternally self-existent as your healer, Rapha. So that's important. What God is, he has always been. What he always has been, he is. There's never a time God has not been the healer. There's never a time in the future that God won't be the healer. Now that's important. Be because that's, that's part of that covenant mindset. Well, hands were laid on me, but, well, but, 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 but wait a minute. Hands were laid on you, and God is eternally self-existent as your healer. See, that, that's, that's that mindset. That's, that's how he eternally exists. Oh, glory. One translation says he is your physician. Another we talked about says he's your surgeon. Oh, glory. So it's good to know I have a covenant that he'll just fix things. Hallelujah. He'll just fix things. Hallelujah. God established himself as their eternal healer. Now, again, he's bound to what he says. And you can't be afraid to go to God in that manner. You're his covenant partner. When God's covenant partner, when he came to Abraham, who was his covenant partner, and he told Abraham, he said, I will bless you. He said, walk before me. I'll bless you. I'm going to give your seed the land. What did his covenant partner say? What could you possibly give me seeing I'm still childless? That's what he said. And my heir is Eliezer here of Damascus. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. That's not part of the covenant. That won't be your heir. One that comes from your body will be your heir. Amen. When, when something's not working from the word of God, whether it be for healing or whatever it is, if it doesn't seem to be working, don't be afraid to go to God with the word that he's bound by and present it to him. Lord, this is what you said. Now, why isn't it working? Because, because I, I, it's there, why isn't it working? It wasn't a matter of healing, but when I started getting this covenant mindset, I took Malachi chapter 3 to God. And I said, okay, I see right here what you said about tithing and that the windows of heaven would be open and there would be a blessing poured out that there's not room enough to receive in my life. And I put my finger on that verse and I said, this isn't working. 
Now, religion will say, don't ever question God. Well, that's baloney. Because what they mean is when something bad happens, when somebody you love dies sick, don't question God. And so they're taught to just live with whatever's going on. Instead of taking God's word to him and saying, why is this happening? Why, why is this not working? Because you know why it's not working. Every word, we'll read it in a minute. Every word of God is full of power. If it's full of power, why isn't it working? Right? Have you, have you ever got something, a, a, a toy or an appliance or something that needs batteries, and you put the batteries in, you hit the power button, it's not working? It doesn't come on? Well, now, wait a minute, and, you, and you'll go through the list. Well, it's a brand new thing, brand new batteries. Okay, then something's wrong with the installation. Either it's a bad product or the batteries are in wrong. Well, what's the first thing you do? You don't take it back to the store and say, this doesn't work. You check the batteries. Maybe the batteries are in wrong. And you fix the batteries and it starts working. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's the Word of God always works. Check the batteries. Go to God and ask Him, why isn't this working? And I've had people tell me, well, I don't like to question God and His sovereignty. Well, that's, that's why bad things happen to good people. Because they won't question what's going on in their life. There's not one scripture in the Word that says, take the good with the bad. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's a religious saying, not a scripture. Well, I thank God for unanswered prayers. That's a country song, not a scripture. <laughs> Amen. That's not a scripture. But, I, but I've had people tell that, well, we all have our lot in life. That's not a scripture. Well, brother, it rains on the unjust that's ta and the just. That's talking about the goodness of God. That even unjust people experience the goodness of God because of His mercy. The rain in Scripture is never a bad thing. Religion says, well, look right there. You're going through a hard time, brother. But it rains on the just and the unjust. Rain's a good thing. It means even the unjust get the rain that causes the harvest because God's merciful. Amen. If you feel like something's not working, go to God. Why isn't this working? Oh, hallelujah. And, and you know, the Lord told me. He told me. Because understand this. This is settled. What God has said, He has said. He won't go back on it. He can't lie. He can't change. He'll not be different tomorrow. This, this, is, this is vital. In the word that God speaks is the power to bring itself to pass. This, this word is self, the power of God is contained in the word. In uh, Hebrews 4, this is a familiar verse. Now, I'm going through all this for a reason. Even though the word contains the power of God, the very life, the very energy of God is within the word. That I have a part of it. The covenant is sealed in blood. It's, it's an everlasting covenant, but I have a part of it. 
uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Amplified Bible says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. So the word that God speaks is full of power. It's alive. It's full of power. Now, that means very little if it's not accessed. A, a illustration of that is it says that Jesus was in the house and it says there were doctors and lawyers of the law that had come out of every city. He was in his house. There was not room to get in. And it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, I know we've heard that verse, so we just kind of let it go over our head. That's right. Yeah, the power of the Lord is present to heal them. Four men, four crazy friends brought their son, brought their friend up on the road, let him down through the road. Jesus healed him. Yeah, yeah, I know them didn't get it, but him did. Well, we missed something there. Who was Jesus? And people say the Son of God, the Messiah. But who was he according to John 1? The Word. The Word. So the Word was in the house. And the Word was full of power. The Word was operative. The Word was energetic. The Word was active and effective. Right? But yet only one man was healed. Why? Because only one man acted. Only one man believed. So what God speaks always comes to pass because it's truth. Lies fail, truth prevails. It, it doesn't become truth, it is truth. What God says doesn't become truth, it's truth when it's spoken. So we go back to that, that idea of confession, which is to say the same thing. But yet people have this mindset that if I don't, if I'm not seeing it and I'm saying it, then, then it's like I'm, I'm lying. But God, when God said it, it was truth. Does a true statement become untrue because you repeat it? Even though it may not be true in your life. At that point. Now understand what I mean by that. Even though it may not be evident in your life. Is it untrue? A true statement. Is it untrue because it's not evident in your life? No. It's truth. If it's truth, it's truth. When, when I came in here today, it was raining. And every person that came in after I came in for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, it was true that it was raining. Right? Well, when I came out here to teach, I saw the sun shining and it wasn't raining. But does that mean that the fact that it was raining is now untrue? So when God says you're the healed of the Lord, 
right? And I say, I'm the healed of the Lord. Does it become untrue because I feel bad? Or does it become untrue because there's pain? Or does it become untrue because the doctor said something different? Is it, is it not true because I'm repeating it? Does it become less true because I said it? No. The Word of God does not lose power from His mouth to your mouth. It doesn't lose effectiveness. Oh, hallelujah. So it doesn't become truth. It is truth. My part is to believe the truth that's spoken. My part of the covenant is faith and obedience. Right there in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17. With whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, to whom he swore they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see, notice, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, when we teach on these things, very often people get the wrong idea. That someone saying, it's, see, you don't have any faith. It's not what we're saying. We're, we're, this, this is a caution. This is what stops this from working. Is unbelief. Well, I just don't know where I'm not believing. Go to God and ask Him. Because He's your covenant partner. He wants this to come to pass. But notice, these were covenant people. What stopped them from entering in? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's what stopped them. And he says, their unbelief, the first meaning of that word unbelief is unfaithfulness. You have to be faithful to God's word. God is faithful to His Word. I have to be faithful to His Word. I, I, I cannot be unfaithful to the Word of God and expect it to come to pass in my life. See, that's where that covenant mindset becomes so crucial. Is that I'm faithful to God's Word. Remember what the Bible says? It says that He remains faithful... Because he cannot deny himself. In other words, God cannot ever say, I didn't say that. He gave us his word. See, God's not like people. He, he wrote down what he said. I can find chapter and verse for it. So God can never say, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say I was your healer. He said it. And it says, notice what the word says. He can't deny himself. He can't, he can't deny that he said it. It says he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. You have to remain faithful to what God said. Not faithful to what you think. Not faithful to what religion may have said. Not faithful to somebody's idea about something. What did God say? That, that has saved me so much over the years. What did God say? 
And I'm not just talking about healing and, and, and victory in, in, in any area. What did, what did God say? What, what did God say about what we do and how we believe and what we're supposed to work on? What, what did God say? Because I've had, I, one time I was in, in a group of a bunch of ministers and uh, they were teaching some things and, and I, I've always been the kind of person that I just stay out of the fray and walk in love. But the point is, is that a friend of mine had got me wrangled into this discussion. And uh, I won't go into all that it, that it was entailed, but it entailed Christians being possessed with the devil. And uh, now, you know, people will say, well, can a Christian have a demon? A Christian can certainly be oppressed by a demon. But the, 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 the point is, is uh, they were talking about deliverance and, and how that Christians needed to go through regular periods of deliverance and, and, you know, go through it every three months or every six months or whatever. And, uh, you know, that sounds amusing to us, but it's destroying people's lives. It's a very serious thing. And uh, uh, so... We got into this discussion, and, and everyone was sitting around the table. We were at a long oak table, a certain ministry, and, and uh, I kept hearing this. Well, Reverend Dr. So-and-so taught this, and he has this ministry at his church to Christians that are demon-possessed and, and all these different things, and Brother So-and-so says this, and Brother So-and-so says that. And finally, I just stood up. And I said, now, I appreciate everything everybody's saying. There were a lot of people there that were my elders. And, uh, and, but I took my Bible, and I just I held it like this, and I tossed it down in the middle of that, little, that big table, and I said, show me. You said Reverend Doctor said this, and Bishop said this, and uh, Doctor said this. Where's that at in the Bible? And it was quiet, just like it is in here. And nobody said anything. Well, that ended the meeting for me. Because I'm not going to convince them that they're wrong. Because they want to believe what they believe. I had one of the ministers misquote the word. Well, you know, the Bible says that he's exalted uh, his name above all of his word. I said, no, my dear sister, you're wrong. The Bible says he's exalted his name above all of his word or exalted his word above all of his name. Because they were trying to prove that, that those of us that taught the word, that we were missing it because, because it was in the name and, and, and we, you know, that's, we cast out devils and that's the first. No, he said, I've exalted my word above all my name. Now, that doesn't mean the name of Jesus is less important. My, my point in saying that is that's always been my mindset. Where, where's it at in the Word? I asked him, I said, what do you do with the Scripture that says we can reach the place where the wicked one doesn't touch us? What do you do with that Scripture? And so the point that I'm making out of all that, take the time to get into this, is it's what I believe. What God had spoken was there and waiting on them. And when they went into the land in Numbers 13, they said the land is just what you said it was. But we can't go take it. Right? I've asked people over the years, you know, 
uh, uh, seeing other people get healed and seeing other people walk in health, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Praise God for it. But I, 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 I want to move from shouting for what they got to shouting about what I've got. This is important. Amen. Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at some things here. We've been looking at some, but let's look at some more. Because remember, their part of the covenant was faith and obedience. Matthew chapter 10, the Bible tells us something that's important where this is concerned. Matthew 10 and 6. And Jesus was sending out the 12, and notice verse 5, he commanded them saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans do not enter, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick that are there in the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Cleanse the lepers in the house of Israel. Raise the dead in the house of Israel. Cast out devils in the house of Israel. Freely you have received in the house of Israel, freely give. Notice, he said, go heal the house of Israel. Go deliver the house of Israel. Go preach deliverance to them. What did he say about the Gentiles? Don't go to them at all. Now, what I want you to see, and we're going to look at a couple of, of these other verses, Matthew 15. What I want you to see is who Jesus said he was sent to. Matthew 15 and 24. This is the woman that came and the disciples said, send her away. She's crying after us. He answered and said, I'm not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, this woman was a Gentile. So these are the people that Jesus was sent to. The Jew. That's who he was sent to. Now, we know other instances where uh, at least three different instances where Gentiles were healed under his ministry, personally ministered to by him, and faith was the conduit. But here's what I want you to see. These are people that were sent to him. These are people that he was sent to, the Jews. Now, John 1. John chapter 1. This is all part of that covenant mindset. John chapter 1, verse 11. Notice Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to the Jews, and the Jews did not receive him. But as many, now I know that that can be expanded to include everybody in the world, but in this context, when John wrote this, but as many Jews as received him, to those Jews gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of, the blood, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the covenant people did not by and large receive him. 
Multitudes cried out at his trial, crucify him. But here's the point that I want you to make. These are covenant people, and by and large, they did not receive him. We receive God and anything that is of God through the avenue of faith. My part of the covenant is faith and obedience. In Matthew chapter 8, we'll, we'll look at a couple of these. We're going to look at this one incident in all three of the occasions that it's mentioned in the four Gospels. Matthew 8 and 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Notice. And Jesus said to him, See, you tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, Mark 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed and he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and said to him, See, you say nothing to any man, notice, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> and verse 12. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, I read this three times because I want you to see something. It seems like the same story in all four of the Gospels. It is. And the man said the same thing in all four of the Gospels, and Je in all three of them. And Jesus said the same thing in all three of the Gospels. What did Jesus say? Well, he said, I will be clean. And that's where the focus generally is. And then we'll back up and say, this man knew Jesus could. He just didn't know if he would. That's true as well. And, and we'll look at that. But we know this man was a Jew. And we know he was a Jew because Jesus said, go to the priest and offer the gift that Moses said to offer and show them so it will be a testimony unto them that you're clean. All right? But notice, even though he had a covenant of healing, he had to believe something. He had to believe it. It's not enough to know I have it. It's what I believe about it. And so this man believed Jesus could. Well, that's 90% of churches in America. 
they believe he can. I mean, people that believe nothing believe he can. I mean, church people. You know, churches that haven't seen a, a miracle, have never seen a miracle. Do you know there are people that go to church every Sunday that have never seen a miracle? There are people 80 years of age have never seen a miracle. They've never seen anybody healed. Amen. There are people that will live and die and never see anybody healed. And go to a church that they say preaches the truth. But if you ask them, can God heal? Oh, yes, he can. Do you believe he can? Yes. Well, do you believe he'll heal you? Well, brother, if it's his will. That's a sad commentary. That's what makes me hate sickness so much. I was preaching Sunday night about that. I hate it. That there are people so sick. Amen. You, you could, if, when, when I have healing meetings, there are people come that never come to church, and the place will be full of sick people that go to other churches, and they got to come somewhere else to get healed. Amen. And if you ask them in that church, do you believe God will heal? Do you believe God can heal? Yes. He has the power. God can do anything. They'll even sing the song, my God can do anything, anything, anything. My God can do anything. He made the world in all of its fullness and all the time will bring. My God can do anything. What well, do you believe he'll heal you tonight? Well, brother, if it's his will. So Jesus asked this man, the man said to Jesus, I know you can if you will. So this is so important where a covenant mindset is. What do you believe? He believed he could because of the stories he had heard. He didn't know if he would. See, there's still this element of faith. even with the covenant man that we know was a Jew. He, in, in other words, it wasn't just carte blanche. You don't just get healed because you have a covenant. You got to believe something. Well, what about the multitudes? In most cases where it says there was a multitude, it says that they came together to hear and to be healed. They came to hear something and they believed that they would be healed. Amen. See, he believed Jesus could, but he was still a leper. So believing he can, not necessarily going to fix it. It's a start. His lack of faith was in the willingness of Jesus. He had to have faith that Jesus wanted to heal him, even though he had a covenant of healing. You can have every book of faith about faith there is. You can go through God's creative power for healing 14 times a day. And it doesn't mean anything if you don't believe God wants to heal you. See, that's the covenant mindset. If I know God has bound himself to his word, he didn't bind himself to something he don't want to do. Not only can he, he wants to. He wants to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? There's nothing worse than a parent that can do better for their child and won't. Nothing worse. Amen. 
When I see dads like that, I want to get 12 good men together and go talk to them for 12 long hours. Amen. Maybe apply some chastening of the Lord. Hallelujah. But you understand why I'm saying that? You, you've seen families like that. You've seen families that, that, that they could do better and they won't do better. God not only can, oh, he wants to. Oh, other translations where Jesus answered this man. He said, I desire it with all my heart. From the depths of my heart, I want to do this. So this man could have seen Jesus who with all his heart wanted to heal him. And he could have stayed a leper. Knowing that he could, but not being sure he would. See, the covenant covers the willingness and the ability. The covenant says, I'm willing. And the covenant also says, I'm able. I'm able to do it, and I want to do it, else I wouldn't have bound myself to my word. I've been to places before people have invited me to, and I said, I'll be there. And I'd show up, and they'd go, boy, I'm glad you came. Well, I told you I'd be here. Yeah, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, but I told you I'd be here. Did, did you see that? That's why you condition yourself to speak only truth. And you'll be able to believe that God speaks only truth easier. Oh, glory. Matthew chapter 9. It's going to be so easy for you to walk in health. Just easy. Just easy. Matthew 9, verse 27. And when Jesus departed, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now notice they're calling out for mercy. Deuteronomy 7, 9. I am the faithful God that keeps mercy and covenant for a thousand generations. You know what I've learned over the years? And this may be a little side note, but it's worth going on. When you don't know what else to ask for, just ask for mercy. Just ask for mercy because he's the merciful God. When you don't know what else to ask for, ask for mercy. And so they said, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. When he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and he straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But when they departed, they spread abroad his fame in all that country. Now, there's a couple of things. First of all, they called Jesus the son of David. That's the royal title of the Messiah. When the woman that had the demon-possessed daughter, the, the, the Greek woman, the Syrophoenician, she called him son of David. Meaning, I believe you're the Messiah. You're the one that was to come to your people. Now, 
maybe rightfully so, or, or maybe not. She didn't have a right to use that title. People will emphasize that. Uh, but she had some knowledge. She had some understanding. And what she asked for, mercy, help me, right? But they came to him. Now, there's, there's, there's so much here that I don't know if I got time to unpack it all, but there's so much here. It shows us, first of all, they were Jews. And Jesus asked, do you believe I'm able to do this? And he asked for more than one reason. Under Jewish belief, only the Messiah could heal the blind. You, you study the Old Testament, you see not one blind person healed. Not one, zero, none. Well, why? Messiah hadn't come. In John chapter 9, I won't take the time to go there. You can look at it on your own. Towards the end of the chapter, when a man was dis the, the religious leaders were disputing with uh, uh, the man that was, born, that was born blind and healed by Jesus, and they were saying, is this man a sinner? Is he a prophet? And, and you know, we always... Uh, quote the man, whether he's a prophet or not, I don't know, but I know I used to be blind, now I see. And he made the statement. He said, isn't this a wonderful thing? He said, since the world began, it's not written that a man should heal the blind. And he said, yet this man has healed me, and you call him a sinner. In other words, he's saying, you're the religious leaders, and you don't even recognize the Messiah that's here in your midst. And they did what religion always does. Oh, you are all together born in sin. We're the children of, of Abraham and Moses. Get out of here. We're going to put you out of the church. And they did. That's just like religion today. If you start believing God will heal everybody that you lay hands on every time in a religious church, you either got to change or go. Let me help you. Don't change. Just go. <laughs> just go. Amen. That's one of the reasons Jesus told them not to tell anybody. Now, this is important because why? Even with them believing that he was the Messiah, even having a covenant, they still had to believe he could do it. They proved they believed he was the Messiah because they called him the Messiah, son of David. But then Jesus said, you believe I'm able? Because, understand this, if he's the Messiah, he has the ability. But Jesus said, you believe that? Do you believe what you just said? You believe I'm the Messiah? Because if you really believe that, I can heal you. Hallelujah. See, you... A covenant mindset, you've got to really believe what God said. And you've got to really disbelieve everything else. Think about this, for, for instance. i got time. Think about this. If, if you get a prognosis from the doctor that could shorten your life, you can't disregard that. It's there. Right? But you've got to believe that less than you believe Exodus 25 that said, I will fulfill the number of your days. 
you got to believe it more and believe something else less. So what do you spend your time on? The covenant. The covenant. What the doctor said is changeable because of the covenant. Only someone who cannot change can change what is changeable. I can't, I can't change even what's changeable on my own. But one who cannot change can. And, and apply that to every spectrum of the word. God cannot change. He's not going to change his mind. I've told people before, well, just because you don't want to come to church regularly doesn't mean God changed his mind about it. He still said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And he said, do it even more as you see the day approaching. Even more. Well, you do whatever you want to do with that. But that, that is why people have a hard time sometimes believing God, is they want to pick and choose what they believe God said and what they believe applies to them. Oh, yes, I'm the healed of the Lord. I come to church every about once every two weeks, but, you know. Well, you're violating the word. Well, but God loves me anyway. Well, he might love you, but you're still violating the word. When he said speak evil of no man, he meant speak evil of no man. That's why you can't badmouth your neighbor and badmouth the politicians and badmouth sinners and badmouth. It said speak evil of no man. See, that violates the covenant. Because if I believe the covenant, I'm bound to what the covenant said. Do, do you see this? Mm, it's a little quiet, but it's okay. I understand you're thinking. Mark chapter 9. Well, you know, Reverend, I got things going on. I know, I know. Hopefully God will just overlook it. Yeah, because you you know you got stuff going on. You're busy. Oh glory! I don't know. I don't know about that. I should say, Mark nine verse seventeen. One of the multitude answered and said, "Master, I brought you my son that has a dumb spirit." See right there it tells you the devil's dumb. <laughs> That's a little humor. Very little. And wherever he takes him, he teareth him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. Now, think about this for a moment. I, I don't know if you read the Bible this way. Think about the miserable life this family has. Everywhere he goes, he takes him, he possesses him, and he teareth him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth. One gospel said, throws him in the water, throws him in the fire. This is where the saying, can't take that boy anywhere, originated. Everywhere we go, this, it's miserable. It's a miserable life. And he, and he hears about the disciples and Jesus, and he brings him there. And he said the disciples, remember verse 18, couldn't cast him out. Jesus rebuked their lack of faith. When they brought him to Jesus, when he, the boy or the spirit in him, whichever you believe, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And notice, here's this verse 22. Here's the mercy. If you can do anything, 
have compassion on us. Now remember, I don't, I don't know, uh, uh, I taught this in the, the five days of, of healing. God was in Jesus according to the word. If you can do anything, have mercy on us. I, I taught this series built with mercy. And this word compassion, compassion is the mercy of God in action. And it's, it, it has to do with mercy. So he says, if you ha- can do anything, have mercy on us. Well, who was he calling out to? And people say, well, he was calling out to Jesus. Well, he was calling out to Jesus, the man, in physical form. But the Bible says Jesus said on at least two different occasions, the Father in me does the works. John 1 says, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. In other words, we, we beheld the glory of God in Jesus. So when he said, have mercy on me, he tapped into that merciful God that keeps mercy and covenant for a thousand generations. And notice what Jesus said. He asked for mercy, and Jesus said, if you can believe. Now, this is important because this is something, again, where people kind of poke you in the chest. See, it's your fault. If you believed better, then you'd get results. It's not what he's saying. He's not slapping that man. He's not thumping him in the chest. This is the merciful God that he's dealing with. Jesus is saying, if you can believe, all things are possible. He's giving him the answer. All things are possible, even to you that have a covenant. Everything's possible if you will believe. And notice, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, people say, well, where's the problem? It's found in these words. If you can do anything. Remember Brother Hagin used to say, if is the badge of unbelief. Now, notice this is important. Because what's he saying? I'm not sure you can. Well, that was Jesus, I know. And he's doubting Jesus. If you can. If you can. Now, think about that. I, I, I know there are people that take exception to that. But if I came up to you and said, uh, if you will, well, what does that mean? What, what am I saying? I'm not sure you will. But if you will. Right? If I came up to you and said, you know, if you're going to be in church Wednesday night, I'd like you to do this. What am I saying? I don't know if you're going to be here. Tell me if you will. And that's why the King James is a a poor translation here. Because it says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Well, see, it doesn't make sense if you read it that way. Because he said, if you can do anything. And in the King James, it says, if you can believe. The Phillips translation says, if I can do anything, retorted Jesus. Everything is possible to the man who believes. So in other words, think about this. Who's going to do the work? Jesus. 
All my part is is to believe Jesus can. See, something's got to change because I don't know if he can. Now, we can see why he would say that. Look at the miserable life he has. Everywhere they go with this boy, this demon just takes him whenever he wants to. Nobody can give him any help. And he comes to Jesus. Everybody else has tried. Everybody else has failed. And now I'm here with another man of God. Right? Remember, that's what they thought he was, a prophet, a good man, a teacher that healed. But I don't know if you can. I mean, we've done that naturally. If, if, if one doctor can't help you, well, go find another one. And what do you do when you go to the new doctor? Well, the other doctor couldn't help me. I'm hoping you can. And maybe he tries and he can't help. You go to another doctor. Well, the last two doctors haven't been able to help. I've had people stand in the prayer line and tell me I've been to five different doctors and none of them can help me. And then they'll say this, I'm hoping something will change today. You see, you still got those five doctors in your mind that can't help you. And that's what's going on with this man. Nobody else can help us. I'm going to try you. If you can, right? What had, what had he just witnessed? The disciples failing to cast the demon out. And now he comes after a failure and says, if you can. Your disciples couldn't. Nobody else could. I'm going to try you. And Jesus lays it back down and says, okay, if I can do anything, in other words, I am a believing one. It's what the Weiss Bible says. I am a believing one, and all things are possible to one who believes. Right? In other words, sir, the issue is not on me my ability, or what I can do. I'm a believing one. And notice what the man said. He said, Lord, I believe. Now stop right there. I believe what? I believe you can. See, there had to go from if you can to I believe you can. Had to move from if you can to I believe. And the King James says, help my unbelief. That was the right response. I believe you can. And whatever area I don't have faith, just I believe you can. That's enough. Hallelujah. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if I'm going to feel better. I don't know if he's going to act better. I don't know if the symptoms are all going to go away, but here I believe you can. And that settles the issue. Amen. I know, I know the doctor said they don't know what it is, but I believe you can. I, I just feel led of the Lord to say this. Don't just be so quick to have something done to your body that has proven over the years to be a subpar fix. You know what I mean? You go to the doctor, and they say, well, we can do this, but you'll have, uh, eh, 70% mobility. Now, I'm not telling you not to do it. I would never do that. Pray about that. Do you want less mobility? Or more trouble? 
I, I knew a guy one uh, Lord help me with this. I, I knew a guy one time that was having trouble in some joints in his body, and he went ahead, he went ahead and had a procedure that fused those joints. And it was worse. Now I'm even more limited. I'm not telling you not to do it, but what I'm saying, that, that just keeps coming to me by the Spirit of the Lord. Don't, don't just go give your approval to something that's going to limit you. Amen. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. I'm not telling you not to listen to the doctor. I go to the doctor. I listen to the doctor. But here's what I'm trying to say. Notice what this man said. I believe. So he went from, if you can, to I believe you can. Well, what was the next step? Son was delivered. But notice, this is a Jewish man. And he still had to believe. The covenant guarantees that what I believe is what will happen. Oh, glory. See, faith was a prerequisite. My part of the covenant is faith and obedience. Now, let me close with this. I'll, I'll wrap this up with this. I'm going a little over time today, but uh, I, I, I need you to see this. Quit focusing on am I doing something wrong? Well, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know it. Well, I understand that, but this, this man did not come to Jesus and say, what am I doing wrong? And I think sometimes we mess up. It's just like we want people to live righteous so we preach against sin. Well, preaching against sin just magnifies sin. You want people to live righteous, preach on righteousness. If you want people healed, don't magnify what can stop them from getting healed. Magnify what will get them healed. And when you sit around and you're looking for reasons you're not healed, they may not even be right reasons. The devil will accommodate you. And you'll believe a lie. And you won't be healed. you got to settle this once and for all. I have a covenant with God. He initiated this covenant. He is the presenter. He made a covenant with my father Abraham as my healer. Now, I believe that you're my healer. I believe I'm healed. And, and get that in your mind first. Get that settled in your spirit. Before you ever wonder why I may not have been healed, I promise you, and you do whatever you want to do with this, I promise you, in the largest percentage of the time, you'll get healed just starting to believe that he's your healer. And quit looking for reasons why you're not. Well, why is it taking so long? If you're focused, don't you know you can't enjoy a journey focusing on how long the trip is? You just, you just won't. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, sit down and enjoy the ride. Look at the mountains. Look at the trees. Look, right? Amen. Man, there's nothing more beautiful than that drive from Fayetteville to Clarksville. 
in, especially in the fall. Oh, it's gorgeous. Amen. It's also the longest part of the trip. But it's gorgeous. You, you can focus on, hey, dear God, six hours. Or you, you just, man, you just get there and just focus on, right, how good God is. Lord, I know I got this in my body, but Lord, you saved me. Father, I'm not going to hell. You filled me with the Holy Ghost. Lord, you've saved my family. Father, you've touched my marriage, whatever it may be. See, you're focused on what God has done. And then you just take what you're believing for and insert it in the list of what God's already done. If he's done that, he'll do this. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians, the devil doesn't need to beat them up. They, they beat themselves up. Oh, glory. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this wonderful time that we've come together to break the covenant open about healing. And, Father, we know. Father, we know. We know unequivocally, without doubt, that you're our healer. And that's where we choose to focus. If you are a healer and you said you were, then that means you want to. And if you want to, that means you will. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for watching online. Uh, till we see you next Tuesday, just keep the switch of faith turned on. Build your faith. God bless you.